Hi, on this podcast today, there's an ask for every hairdresser's chair. I'm going to start at about 1968 when I was still in high school. <clears throat> and I would go every day on this crazy bus. And we had a bus driver who just let us do whatever we really wanted to. And one day we had this boy in our bus. And this is kind of like a bully, but we did these things back then. And uh, he kind of like never really kind of took a bath. So the boys in the shop said, hey, Linda, bring some shampoo tomorrow and I'll bring the water and maybe we could try to give him a bath. And I'm thinking, okay. So I go to school and I fill up the concentrated shampoo. Next day we get on the bus and they all said, all right, let's pour water on this poor kid. So they pour water on him and he falls on the floor and his foot hits my shampoo. Well, guess what happened to that? It went flying in the air and all of a sudden we were in knee deep in soap suds from trying to give him a bath and him squirming on the floor and all of us running around the bus. And of course our bus driver, he didn't care what we did because he was just oblivious to everything, you know? So here we are, we're almost at school. And now I'm starting to freak out because the soap suds are almost up to the side of the chairs. So we get to the school and the bus driver opens the door. And what do you think happens? All the soap suds go out the front door. And then this kid goes out, oh, they tried to give me a bath and they really hurt me. And, I, and we were all like, well, he needed a bath. So the principal looked at me and he looked at Barbara and he looked at Patty and he goes, okay, you three, let's go to the office. So we go to the office. And he said, look, guys, you can't do this. This is a terrible thing that happened. And it's kind of embarrassing to see your bus full of soap suds. Well, we just said to him, well, we were just trying to, you know, help him and stuff. And, you know, we all kind of did the googly eye to him. And he was like, look, just go to class. So we get in the class. And of course, we have the best chuckle over it because we thought it was so funny. But of course, you know, this day and age, it's kind of being a bully. But, you know, back then we were just being little clowns on a bus so we would get into beauty school and Mrs. M would give us our assignments. And uh, I did have a teacher uh, before her and her name was Mrs. Weiner. And Mrs. Weiner had a bell on her desk that every time she didn't like something we did, she would ding, 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 ding. And we would go crazy because we were just kind of laughing at it all every day. So one day we just put cotton in it and she was like, who did this? Who would do such a thing? And she's trying to ding, ding, ding. She's trying to get it to ring. Well, it didn't ring. So now, you know, the next year we're in Mrs. M's class and she said she heard about that and she just looked at me like, hmm, did you do that? And I was like, well, maybe. You know, so we were talking one day and I mentioned roller skating and she goes, you know, your voice sounds so familiar to me. And I was like, well, my mother used to roller skate at Mineola roller skating rink. And she goes, I know who you are. You are Doris's daughter. I was like, come on, there's no way. Well, way <laughs> Mrs. M was my mother's friend at the roller skating rink. So I go home and I go, hey, mom, I got a message from Mrs. M. Her real name's Sis Fisher. And she's like, Oh, she was something else in that roller skating rink. She was like every, all the men really wanted to, you know, with her. And I was like, Ma, you can't say that about her. She's a wonderful lady. So they got together and they had good laughs about the roller skating. And my parents uh, roller skated at Mineola Roller Skating Rink all their lives. And they actually met on roller skates. And my mom was like the the little Miss Pris, you know, that had, you know, the beautiful outfits. And my dad was like the Don Juan of the roller skating rink. And uh, they were so funny. They just talked about roller skating all the time. And my mother roller skated until she was 73 years old. And, um, you know, I tried to roller skate, but I, I just didn't like it. I just didn't like falling, you know, so 
you know, my mom and dad, they did that every day. And my dad got actually a contract that I gave to his sister in Norway, my aunt Margaret, that was from MGM. And he was going to make $75 um, a week being in this bumps and falls. I think that's what the name it was. And his mother said, nope, you're not going to do it. You're not going to go. I don't want you to do it. And this was a lot of money back then. So, um, you know, when I went to Norway, I did bring the contract to his sister, who my grandfather had another baby when he was 70, and it was my Aunt Margaret. So my aunt is about four years younger than me, and she's fantastic. We look like twins. So that's just a little <clears throat> fun stuff, you know, about roller skating, you know. And uh, I have to say that, you know, my mom, through all those years of roller skating, when she finally stopped, I was like, wow, this isn't any good, you know. So I always kept my dad's skates and her skate. And, and when my mom passed away, um, I told my sister, I can't find any urns to put mommy in. I said, but I do have one of her skates and one of daddy's skates. So what I did is I took the, the skates to um, the cremation place. And I said, look, I got a request that's a little silly. And he goes, what? I go, could you think my mom would fit in these two roller skates with the cat? Because I had to put Kitty in there also. The guy was like, well, we'll try our best. You know, he said, I don't know this, you know, we'll see how it goes. So then I had to go to the funerals parlor in New York. You have to put people in caskets or some kind of container. So I asked the people at the Wantar Abbey, I said, look, my mother's got roller skates. He said, well, send me a picture and I'll make a container that looks like a roller skate. So P.S. There was the roller skate. So I put my my mom in the roller one of my mom's, one of my dad's, and I didn't tell anybody. And when, and when the people came to the funeral, they were like, now this is the best. So her girlfriend shows up <clears throat> that used to roller skate with her, and they were like, your mother would have loved this. She said, that is the best thing. I said, well, there was no other urn to put my mom in but the roller skates because that was her whole life with my dad. So that was, you know, a wonderful time and, and everybody loved it. And, uh, so my mom's roller skating in heaven somewhere. And, uh, she was a great influence on me being a hairdresser. So that's just some of the things that happened, uh, you know, when I was a kid. And, um, just, uh, want to do a great podcast for you guys. And, uh, so now I'm going to say goodbye for today. And, uh, you know, you just got a little bit more information about me and some of the silly things. So have a good day and enjoy my podcast. Hi, welcome back to There's an Ask for Every Hairdresser's Chair. Today I'm going to talk about 1969. This was the year that I graduated high school and I was getting really excited because I knew that I was going to start working shortly. Well, 1969 <clears throat> was a great year and uh, I'm going to talk about when I got one of my first jobs. And this job was called Wave and Save. And it was in Levittown in the May Shopping Center. And I remember that I went around to all these different salons trying to find a job. So I went in and there was a guy called Murray Weiss. And I went in and I said, look, I want a job. I want to start shampooing hair. I'm moving out of my house and I need an apartment and I need a job. He said, well, I'll hire you. How long have you been out of uh, beauty school? I said, well, I'm still in the high school and I have one more, you know, year to go, but it was, I think it was on June probably. So he said, no problem. You can work Saturdays. So I was like really excited. I got home. So when I went to work there at Wave and Save, and I didn't even realize what he did, this man had numbers from one to 125. Now think about that. 
how many heads of hair? And then I looked down the line because I didn't went in there on a Monday and I went out on Saturday. There must've been 15 hairdressers. And I thought I'm going to be shampooing for all these people. Now this is the time when they used to have an aniline derivative, which was um, put in all the dyes, which they took out because they felt it caused cancer. So I looked around and I saw hair dyes, girls, boys, you have no idea. They all look like they had payas down the side of their, their, their face, which I had to try to figure out how to get it off. So I just started going in. I started shampooing hair and I was like, wow, this is a lot of work. There was, I think there was like six stations and I'd hear Murray go number 12, number 13, number 14. And all these people would come in and these were people that were poor. They were rich. It just because it was wave and save. So it was a great place and everybody was doing perms. And at this time we didn't have hairspray. We didn't have setting lotion. We didn't have anything. All they had was lacquer. And you would mix the lacquer and you put it in the hair and you set them with rollers and they become these crispy little critters that everybody would brush out. So I would shampoo hair and then I had a lady called Mildred who I used to drive to work because she lived behind me when I realized where she lived and she didn't drive, that she took a bus. Well, when Mildred put black hair color on, it looked like they were wearing hats with earmuffs. And I was like, I don't know how to get this stuff off. So I tried to figure out all these little techniques and everything. And I remember in beauty school, Mrs. M said, you know, if you can't get anything off, use ashes from the cigarettes. So I look around and these chairs had the, uh, everybody had uh, rollers in their hair and everybody smoked. So there was these tubes next to the hair, the hair dryers and the seats. So I started cleaning those out and piling those ashes in a, in a coffee can. And I thought, well, this is going to work really good. Well, I did that <clears throat> same thing. I took out the ashes, but then it still wasn't working. So I figured, well, let me try something else. So I put a little comet in there and I got that hair color and then she, the lady would sit in the chair, you know, put her head back and go, this stuff smells like cigarettes and comet. What are you putting on my hair? I go, oh, no, 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 no. It's nothing. It's a new technique that I'm using and it really works good. And it's a, a new product that I'm trying out for this company. And they're like, well, it smells, you know, and here I am grinding it in the sides of their heads, trying to get this hair color up that lovely Mildred would do. So I finally just kind of left it. And back in those days, everybody left with like a rim around their head of the hair color. And then all of their skin was a little red because of the comet and the ashes on there. So I, it was a funny job. I'm telling you, it was like the best. So Murray was like, hey, do you know anybody else that wants to work for you? Work? I said, well, let me ask my friend Patty Elefante. Well, I called her up. I said, Patty, you want a good job? She goes, yeah. I said, well, listen, it's wave and save. There's uh, 15 hairdressers. You're going to make money. So I bring Patty in. Now, Patty and I were very funny because we were on the beauty school bus together. And this girl had the best sense of humor. And I wish to God I could find her because she was one of the funniest girls. So we started working. And then we decided because of the roller skating, remember the roller skating, we both said, hey, let's just do it with roller skates. So I asked Murray, can we roller skate? He was like, yeah, why not? So her and I came in and we roller skated in between the shampoo bowls doing the, the ashes and the, the comet and washing everybody's hair. 
Now you have to understand the lacquer was so sticky on the floor that we used to watch the, the hairdressers kind of stick to the floor and that had a motor to be like, boom, 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 boom. All day long, you heard that motor going, but those heads didn't move for a week. It stayed really good. So there was a downstairs at Wave and Save. So Patty and I would go downstairs and he had gallons of um, perm solution and her and I would um, fill the bottles as we're smoking cigarettes. Now we could have blown probably the hair salon right off the face of the earth, but we didn't think anything of it because we just thought it was so funny that we're smoking and making ashes and comet and filling up the, the, the perm solution. So we'd come upstairs and we would just be washing heads day after day after day, every Saturday. And I think I made probably about $200 uh, a Saturday shampoo and hair because we had such a shtick, the two of us. You know, she'd roll a skate around me, I'd roll a skate around her. And Murray would yell at number 52, 53, 54. And we'd be like, oh my God, we washed 54 heads already. And the hairdressers, you know, they didn't really care. They weren't going to turn around because they were doing volumes. Cause back then I think it was like $6.99 to get your hair done. So you got to times that by 10. They're only making 60 bucks and split it with them. They're making 30 bucks. So these girls had to do at least 30 heads a day. So, you know, number 12, number 800, number every day was those numbers were great. Murray would yell. And then when he'd hit like a hundred, he'd hit the desk. Yippee. We hit, who's got the hundred? You're going to get a free haircut. Number a hundred. Who's a hundred? And this, these ladies would just be laughing about it, you know, and Murray just had the best sense of humor, but he had moments where it wasn't too funny because we had another guy in there that had a bar next door that he went into the bar every day and got sloshed. And one day he said to me, he did a, a double process. And back then we used to put you under these lamps. There were like three little light bulbs in it and put you under there to bake you with the bleach on the hair. And he left and told me to watch it. And I'm like, listen, I'm not taking responsibility for your going over and having a few, you know, hooches next door. So all of a sudden I say to myself, I better check that lady's hair. So I open it up and her hair was, she said, ah, oh, my head's burning. Help me, help me. My head's burning. So I lift it off and I look at it and I knew what was going to happen. I said, this woman's going to be bald, not even like short hair, but bald. So I go over and I tell Murray and Murray goes next door and gets this guy and goes, get your ass over here. You know, and so I'm shampooing the hair and she's asking me, how does it look? And, and the actual, I was, we used to call it pocket, you know, well, pocket perms. Cause back then a lot of people broke off the perms. So we would call them pocket perms and take the perm rods and stick them in our pocket and then give them to the hairdressers at the end of the night. So they knew how many heads they screwed up. So anyway, so. She's in there and I'm washing her hair and I'm seeing the disaster. I mean, her head is getting shinier and shinier and shinier. By this time, all she had was a little squig in the top of her head. And I'm like, oh, oh boy, this is not good. So I put the towel around it. I made sure that I, I moved away and the guy put her in the chair and you should have heard her. Ah, what did you do to me? Where is my hair? And I'm like, oh my God, it's in the sink. That's where it is. Your hair's in the sink because you're going to an alcoholic for your hair. So I, you know, helped the lady, you know, and she was crying and Murray came over. And so Murray made the guy go down to the end of the street where they had a wig store. 
and he made him buy a human hair wig. And probably back then it was probably about $70, $80. And he made the guy come back and the same color, you know, the same hairstyle made her. Then he said to me, take the, take the wig and set it and try to style it if you can. You know, and the woman's hysterical. I'm going to sue you. And Murray's trying to get all nervous. And, you know, we're all just like, oh, my God, this is not good. So the end of the story is, is that she really loved the wig and she didn't sue anybody because, you know, they spend a lot of money on wigs and Murray took care of her until her hair grew in. So P.S., you know, of course, that hairdresser got fired. But let me tell you, when I saw that hair in the sink, I thought, oh, boy. And it's just like the pocket perms. You know, they used to put the rubber band across it. And all you hairdressers that are listening, you know that if you put it too close to the scalp, it's going to break. And back then, our perm solution could take the paint off the walls because it was really strong. It was, you know, before products were even, you know, made like they are today with this, you know, with the no cancer and everything, you know. So me and Patty used to do a lot of neutralizations and, you know, throw the people back in the chair. And I remember one time I had a lady, I guess she must have had brain cancer at one time and didn't tell me when I went to wash her hair, my hands went like almost in her, in, in, like down in her scalp. And I just turned around, and I threw up on the floor and everybody's like, what, uh, what's wrong? And I'm like, oh, it just got to me. I mean, it was just, and she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I guess I should have told you. I'm like, yeah. So, you know, there was another, but every day was another day at Wave and Save Beauty Parlor in Levittown. Every day, me and Patty Elefante laughed our butts off because we just learned how to be funny, you know, and I made $200 and I actually moved out of my mom's house towards the end of high school and uh, had an apartment with my friend Rhonda Appleby. And, uh, you know, I just got a car and I used my boyfriend's car, which was an Etzel. I think it was an Etzel, something like that. And uh, Patty and I one day got in the car at Macy's, at Mays, and it was after work, and it was it rained, and it was a convertible. And we're in the car, and we're driving down the road, and I'm going, do you feel something weird on us? And she's like, yeah, I'm so itchy. We look up, and it must have been a spider nest inside of the the convertible. Well, the spider nest had just hatched all over the car and they were all over us. And we just pulled in to the shopping center and we got out of the car and we're screaming because we're covered in little baby spiders and the car was covered and we're taking our clothes off in the street. People are like, what's wrong? And I'm like, look, look at all the spiders. The whole top of the car was filled with these spiders. So PS, we had to have it exterminated. You know, my dad was trying to fix it, you know, and it was just and even the car had a hole in the back, back seat. So when we all used to go drinking, you know, because then we drinking and driving, we used to take the beer cans and kind of throw them at, just throw them in the back and they would go out of the bottom of the car. So that was like my first car, you know, I still remember it was my ex-boyfriend's car. So, you know, that was back in 1969, you know, when hairdressing was still the teasing, you know, and uh, I remember... Uh, there was a girl, Joan, that she went out on a boat and the boat exploded and she ended up in the hospital and she was one of the biggest bookers in there in Murray's salon. And uh, one Saturday I came in, he goes, look, you got to go to work. I go, what? He said, listen, Joan's in the hospital. She's got burns on her hand. She can't do hair. And we got a full book today. Go stand at the station and start working. I was like, oh, no, I'm not ready for this. He goes, oh, yes, you are. You have no choice. So there I was 
And I knew I was watching these people. These were great hairdressers, you know, and I remember I knew how to set the hair, tease it and stuff. But I got so nervous that I started sweating profusely, which I do when I get really nervous. So I'm trying to mop myself off, trying to not stick to the floor. I'm trying to cut hair, trying to do all these people's hair. And actually, I got a lot of compliments from her clients. They were like, well, can I book you next Saturday? I looked at Murray. He goes, yep, you can book her because he didn't want to lose the customers. So now I'm shampooing hair in between, helping out, curling, cutting, doing perms and putting color on and and Patty's helping me, you know, and she, she was great, man. And we just couldn't believe it. So here I am in 1969, graduating high school, just finished my beauty school course. And here I am in a salon that had over 150, 25, who knows how many people, but those numbers were going all day long. And here I am doing hair and I wasn't even, you know, out of high school yet. So Murray was a big influence on my life, and it was really hysterical, that place. Then there was a fire in Levittown in one of the biggest salons. Murray goes, hey, Linda, guess what? That salon's moving in the back, because there was still like 30 stations. I mean, this was a city block long. He goes, they're going to come in, and they're going to start working here. I'm thinking to myself, can me and Patty really wash 20 to 30 hairdressers' hair on Saturdays? So these people moved in and this was crazy. There was so much product and cigarette smoke and, you know, me cleaning people's faces with ashes and everybody going, this smells just like ashes and comet. What are you putting on my hair? And I'm like, don't worry about it. Your color is going to be great. You know, so that was probably the funniest thing we ever figured out, me and Patty, because it was, I mean, there was a garbage, there was a uh, a can from the coffee that we used to fill up and put it by the station. And Murray said, I don't care how you get it off, just get it off, you know. So we rubbed off a few skin layers on a couple people, but, you know, we made it through. So that was my experience working at Wave and Save Beauty Salon and my first real job. And I stayed there working probably two years with him, but, uh, you know, it, it was just kind of the funniest job because a lot of people in the winter would take a bus to get their hair done. And these people would put a hat on after we got done teasing them up, spraying them up with that lacquer. And they would actually put a hat on their head. And I'd be like, how did they go home? Does it hold? And Murray goes, yep, that hairspray will hold anything. So, you know, it was a, it was a great job. So that was 1969 and my first hairdressing job. I hope you're enjoying my podcast because it's just so heartwarming for me to be able to to share myself with the world and, and show the experiences that I had through the years of becoming a top hair and makeup artist in the world. My podcast is there's an ass for every hairdresser's chair. Have a lovely night and good night.